You take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. Today we begin a um, series of messages entitled, strangely enough, Signs of the Time. Signs of the Time. This is our Christmas series, three parts this year. Today we're going to talk about the miracle of Christmas. The miracle of Christmas. You know, when you say the signs of the time, people generally think of something else. They generally think of the second coming. Agreed? Give me a nod. I want to know you're awake. We generally think of the second coming, and that's because we look ahead. Because we have looked in the Scripture and we look ahead at the signs maybe of the second coming. But I remind you that if you go back into the days of the Old Testament, those prophets wrote and prophesied that one day a Messiah was going to come. And as those prophecies began to come true, the signs began to be evident. When I think when I think of all that God did to let us know that Jesus was coming, when I think of all God has done to let us know Jesus is coming again, it excites my heart, and I hope yours also. This morning we're going to take one verse from the prophet Isaiah. It is a very familiar verse. <clears throat> Truthfully, most of us can repeat it. I'll tell you what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to allow you to remain seated since it's just one verse because by the time some of you got to your feet, it would be time to sit down again. And all God's people said, that's exactly right. It is a great verse. If you're looking in your pew Bible, it's around page 578. Go ahead, if you will, there, Cam. It's 578. And let's just read this one verse. The prophet says, Therefore, we'll get to that in a second. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray for the next few moments. I pray that our focus will be totally and completely on you. Thank you for how we've sensed your presence among us today, and we pray that you will not leave. We pray that you will just pour on more and more as we come face-to-face -face with you, and I pray that you will bring us face-to-face -face with you and the miracle that you have sent, the miracle that you have performed, that we can know you in your name. Amen. As I said, verse 14 begins with, Therefore. And I've told you many times, I'm sure other preachers have, any time in Scripture there is a therefore, you better find out what it is there for. And the truth is, is you can even pick it out in, uh, in chapter 7, is that it refers to the story of three kings. The king of Judah, the king of Aram, and the king of Israel. Now those three kings are Ahaz, Rezin, and Pekah. Now Rezin and Pekah form an alliance against Ahaz, Ahaz the king of Judah. They form an, a powerful alliance against the king of Judah. And Ahaz got frightened. He became afraid because these two kings come together, Aram and Israel could come together, and he thought, devastated. And so what King Ahaz did, he reached out for help. He formed his own alliance with one of the most ruthless, cutthroat, and evil kings in all of history, 
Tiglat-Pieser of Assyria. Now, you can read the story at home, not while I'm preaching. You can read the story in 2 Kings chapter 16. And here's what I want to say to you. That, this is our first lesson for the morning, so don't miss it. When Ahaz formed that alliance with that Assyrian king, he literally formed a, a, an alliance with the devil. And it was an alliance that harmed Judah for years and years and years on end. Please listen. Here's your lesson, boys and girls. You can never make a deal with the devil without it costing you a lot more than you want to pay. The cost was high. The price was high. And in the midst of all of Ahaz's fear, God showed up. You see, God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I am very thankful when God ever gives me my sound mind, Don. But I want you just to get this in front of you. So let's go back. If you still have your Bibles open, we're in the, in the seventh chapter of Isaiah. Just hear this. Let's pick up in verse 3. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out with your son, Shir Jeshub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the conduit of the upper pool by the road to the fuller's field. Say to him, Calm down. He was upset. He was afraid. Calm down and be quiet. Don't be afraid or faint-hearted because of these two smoldering stubs of firebrand, resin and Aram, and the son of Remalia. Here's what I'll tell you. God said these two guys are not so big. He said, they're just two smoldering stuff. They, they talk a lot. They try to do a lot, but move on. Verse 5, for Aram, along with Ephraim and the son of Remalia, has plotted harm against you. They say, let us go against Judah, terrorize it, and conquer it for ourselves. Now, what they want to do, they want to control God's people. Never heard anybody want to do that before, have you? Then we can install Tabel's son as king in it. But this is what the Lord God said to Ahaz. It will not happen. <laughs> it will not occur. The head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. That came true. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remalia. If you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. Second lesson today, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you're going to fall. Verse 10, then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, ask for a sign from the Lord your God from the depths of Sheol to the heights of heaven. And Ahaz said, I will not ask. Now, do you, do you, do you, am I the only one that thinks that either, Ahaz, that either Ahaz was stupid or really brave? God said, ask for a sign. Do you remember what happened last time God told somebody to ask for something? He told Solomon, he said, ask for you what you want. And Solomon said, hey, I want to be smart. He said, I'm going to give you more than you can imagine. And today, Solomon is still known as one of the wisest men in the world. He says, I will not ask. Verse 13, Isaiah said, listen, house of David, is it enough, enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God. God told you to ask for a sign. So now he says, for all of these reasons, for therefore, watch this, since you didn't ask for a sign, the Lord himself will give a sign. I got to thinking about this thing of signs. 
And everybody gets, every Baptist gets nervous when you start, when Baptist preachers start talking about signs because you're talking about Pentecostalism here, charismatic. Well, I hope you are charismatic. I don't hope you speak in tongues, but I hope you're charismatic because charisma, that charis gift, means you're full of grace, means you're full of the Holy Spirit, means people can see Jesus in you. That's what charismatic really means. It doesn't mean anything about tongues or any of those spiritual gifts. We just made it that way. The Lord will give you a sign. Don't you want a sign this morning that the Lord is among you? Don't you want a sign in your heart, in your life, at your job, at your work, in your church, in your community, that God is among you? I got to thinking about signs. Some of our guys in the, uh, in the congregation today will identify with this. You know, we have a lot of deer hunters. When you go out and you look for the signs that the deer have been there, and you see signs, whether it's a rub or a scrape or something, Here's what it tells you. It tells you he's been there. He's close by. And quite likely, he's coming back. The Lord will give you a sign because you see the truth is the Lord has been here. The Lord is close by. And the Lord is coming back. And as we read this today, we now get into the crux of this message about the miracle that, that God gave. And I'm going to suggest it to you in three slices. First of all, we need to know that God wanted to reconcile us to himself. He wants all of his people, all of his creation to be reconciled. Will they be? No. But Jesus died, the scripture says, for God so loved the world. Jesus died for the world to know him. The Lord will, will give you a sign. So I want you to look, as we think about this Christmas story, think about the people he designated, the people that he chose, the cast of characters. Nothing is more amazing to me than the cast of characters in the Christmas story. I mean, when, when I read God's Word, I never forget that God's Word is living and it's powerful and it's active, which means you can read it one day and he'll teach you this lesson, another day and teach you another lesson. But don't you think about Think about all the cast of characters in the Christmas story. Certainly none of us are surprised that God used angels. God, they're God's messengers. But why in the world did he use shepherds? Why did he choose Mary? Joseph is the only one in the whole bunch that has any real rationale. I mean, he's of the house and lineage of David, and that was one of the promises. So let's begin with Mary. Have you ever thought about why God chose Mary? The Scripture says the virgin will conceive. The virgin will conceive. Now, does anybody besides me find that a miraculous? That a woman gets pregnant without the benefit of a man? Talk about a miracle. Talk about a sign. Talk about a wonder. And yet it was this very sign and nature of God that made the Christmas story and all of the redemption story come to pass. And it began with Mary. Can I give you one preacher's opinion as to why I think God chose Mary? Little teenage girl, 13, 14, 15 years old. Little virgin. Because it seems to me that Mary was the epitome of all that God was looking for and all that God looks for in people today. Humble, pure, committed, 
Too many of us have bought into the concept that when God needed to send someone to this earth, He looked all over heaven. I've heard preachers say it, and it sounded good when I said what you said. God looked all over heaven to find out, to discover who would step forward and go down and save this people. And He looked and He looked, and finally Jesus said, I'll do it. That is That, that may sound good to your heart, but it's absolutely non-biblical because the Bible says God chose Jesus. And He sent Jesus. To save your soul. But the argument could be made that God looked all over the earth looking for that one pure, chaste virgin. That girl who would be best. The one, watch this folks, the one who could be trusted to raise his only son. And he came to Mary. While we know really little about Mary, it's, it's amazing to me that a, a denomination has made just about their entire dom- denomination about Mother Mary when we know so little about her. Here's the truth. We know that she was young. We know that she was betrothed. She was, she was a virgin. She was committed And she was the one God selected to raise his son. As an aside, over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, True Love Waits has been a popular program among our teenagers. I have to tell you, it's needed. I am stunned. I am stunned. Stunned by the number of Christian parents who simply believe that their little child cannot wait to marriage to have sex. I just want to go on record to tell you that this book says sex outside of marriage is still sin. Now hear this. That means the teenagers before they get married. That means the people who are married with all their extramarital relationship. That means divorcees. There's a movement today that, you know, once you've given away your virginity, it's all okay. That's not what God says. Brother Jerry, I don't like you preaching this hard. Well, you know, the truth is, it don't matter what you like. It matters only what he said. True love waits. Is, I will never tell this right. It's not in my notes, but it always comes to my mind every time I, I broach this subject. In the midst of them, the schools handing out condoms and all, a little girl said, Granny, said, um, what was y'all's greatest protection against unwanted pregnancy and uh and sexually transmitted diseases. And her grandmother held up her wedding ring and said, Our wedding ring, honey. You see, Mary would have quite likely not been chosen if she had been sexually immoral. Mary. Joseph. Now, Joseph in the cast of characters 
He makes a little more sense because he is of the house and lineage of David. He was an honorable man. That's shown by how he treated Mary when she became pregnant. It seems that God just looked down and said, here he is. He has the right stuff to be a surrogate father to my child. But then I get to the shepherds. Why in the world dirty, stinky, smelly, lowly shepherds? Why did God send His angels to tell such a lowly bunch? Why didn't He send His angels to tell the religious leaders or the political leaders or the kings? I want to submit this to you. That it was only the lowly that had enough time to listen. It was only those who were not in the upper echelon who were not so preoccupied that they were to keep them from responding. You see, folks, please listen. God is still choosing people today. He is still calling people today. And there is no bigger miracle of Christmas that the God of all creation is calling us to be a part of His creation. He's calling you. For some of you today, he is calling you to know him like you've never known him before. You have never put your trust in him. You are still, like uh, another verse in Isaiah says, you're still walking in darkness away from God. You have never trusted Christ. You've never invited him into your life. You You have never known what it is to walk with him. The call to you today is when Jesus touches your heart is to respond to him and say, Lord, forgive me. I trust you. Come into my heart. I believe in you. For others today, there's a whole different set of calls. Yes, you've trusted Christ, but you've walked away from him. Your heart's grown cold. Other things are in your life. You've broken the first and the second commandment. Have other gods and other images. You've not honored the Lord. You've used bad language. I mean, the commandments go on and on. And you know that your heart's cold today because of your action, your activity, and your attitude. God's calling you today to repent and return to Him. What better Christmas present could you give the Lord of glory on His birthday than to return to Him your heart and your soul? Maybe other calls going on. Some of you may be called to unite with the church. Some of you may be called to be baptized. Some of you may be called to service. But God is still choosing and calling people today. The people he designated, the virgin will conceive. But how about the plan he designed? Number two, the plan he designed. Go ahead, Cameron. God says, not only will a virgin conceive, But watch this. She'll bear a son. She'll bear a son. Now, you know, today it's not a big deal to know what gender your child is. In fact, uh, um, it's been amazing as we, in, in another lifetime, as Deborah was expecting, and we would see the pictures of the baby, you know, the first, with Christy, we only knew that it was something in there. It could have been a frog, it could have been a walrus, it could have been something, a puppy. We didn't know what it was. Then, then Jonathan came along, 
And we, in those five short years, we could tell that it was a boy. Now, for those who want to know how you know that, see me after the service. I'll not get into that, okay? And then recently, with our round of babies in the church and in our family, you know, today, you it's like a snapshot. I mean, today, you don't have any question. You know. But when God said, the virgin will conceive and have a son, how miraculous was that? How miraculous was that? Does that not remind you that when you were in your mother's womb, God knew you because he put you there? I mean, the father determines the gender of the baby. The father gives the baby so many uh, attributes and all. But this birth, now watch it, this birth had to be a birth that could only be explained by God. You see, if Jesus was going to be able to hang on the cross 33 and a half years later, 34 years later, if he was going to be able to hang on the cross and say, it is finished I've completed the plan. The beginning of his life had to be nothing shy of miraculous. And God's plan included unusual birth, an unusual birth to an unusual boy, giving an unusual blessing to all mankind. And through that blessing of that little manger in Bethlehem, he'll give a son. You remember what the angel said to Joseph? He said, that which is in her is of the Holy Ghost. She'll give birth to a son, and you're going to call his name Jesus. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to save his people from their sin. You see, from the beginning of time, God had this plan designed that we could be reconciled, restored, renewed to Him. That's the miracle of Christmas. God still loves the world so much that He gave His little baby, the King of glory, come through the womb of a baby girl, a little virgin girl. I want to ask you today, do you know Do you know just the plan of the man? Or do you know the man of the plan? That's the plan he designed for us to know God. The third thing I see here is the program he developed. Think about how God works. And the heart of his program is found in the last part of this verse. The virgin will conceive and bear a son and name him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. Did you hear that? God with us. Do you realize this makes Christianity different from every other belief system in the world? God with us. It is only in Christianity that our God came to earth seeking us. 
It is, all, it is the only belief system in the world where the founder, where the founder does not lay dead and cold in some tomb. Mohammed's grave, Joe Smith's grave, Buddha's grave are all occupied. Our Jesus, he came, he lived, he died, and now he lives again, and one day he's coming back. You see, his program is found in Colossians chapter 1 where it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Is Christ in you? If he is in you, then he is the hope of glory. Because you see, what's in you comes out of you. I want to say that again. Are you listening? I'm almost done. What's in you comes out of you. Halloween night made an impact on our community. Just went out. All we did, folks, I can't do this. I read the Greek word the other day. Actually, there are two Greek words that you can't do this. Are you ready the two Greek words? It is hogwash and baloney. All we did is walk to a door with a smile on our face. And we handed them a bag of candy and said, we know everybody's coming to your house. Here's something from his house, from your family and friends at Hueytown Baptist Church. Have a, have a blessed night. Yesterday, we made an impact on a number of people. As we stood at how many, Rhonda? Three, two, four locations for four hours, handing out candy canes. And if you've not seen the little candy cane, you need to see it. And we have some left over. As a great witness, I was amazed as I stood there. The number of people who, you know what, you know what it is. Let's be honest. Let's just be honest. You walk up to Walmart, Winn-Dixie, and all of these places, and there's somebody standing at the door. Now, I know I'm the only one that's this non-spiritual, and you almost don't want to make eye contact with them because you know they're about to ask you for something. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Are you all too spiritual to... Uh, uh... It was amazing. And when we said, oh, we want to... We didn't say that. We just said, we hope you have a blessed Christmas. And we handed them... And they were amazed that we were giving instead of taking May I say this to you? The miracle of Christmas is that you learn to give instead of take. And when we as a church, when we as a group of people, when we, when we learn from our Father to learn how to give instead of receive, we will become the miracle of Christmas. Let's pray together.